Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I'm your host, Kelia Clarkson. I'm an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. We want to thank each and every person who's tuned in today. We are always so glad to have you. We hope this episode finds you well and maybe with a cup of tea in your hand. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments. But first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week and finishing off with a positive or um, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn for you and this week's rose? Well, my thorn was uh, having a bit of a rough day yesterday as, as some context. As I'm nearing the completion of my terminal degree, it's the first time in my life that I have no idea what's next. Um, It has been putting me in a strange place, uh, kind of mentally and emotionally. My husband actually even said that he thinks he can recognize like stages of grief in how I'm experiencing all of this. So uh, not only do I not know it's coming, but I also have a hard time even knowing what I should focus my intentions on. So it's just a little um, disorienting. Mm. So if anybody Mm. is listening and has any ideas... (laughs) Job connections or things related to writing, teaching, editing, even perhaps the theology postdoc, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram (laughs) or just pray for me. (laughs) That would be awesome too. (laughs) Um, But my rose was that I had an absolutely lovely Sunday this weekend. Um, I started the day doing music at church, which I haven't been doing for quite a while. And it's just really life-giving for me to, to Mm. be up there. I played keys and I I sung. It was just really, really fun. And uh, after that, we got to see some friends from college that we haven't seen for years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Uh, And then Daniel and I came over to have tea time with Kelia and Nathan. So it was just such a joy. I know this part of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Here it comes. So yeah, it's always just such a joy to get to be together in person, to be friends and uh, yeah, just share, share life, share, share tea and talk. It's great. Share life, share tea and talk. That's the motto. Amen. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, you know, a double rose for me as well. Um, Well, as for my uh, thorn, you know, weirdly, I couldn't come up with anything. I won't talk about the weather again. I will refrain from that this week. (laughs) So all in all, it was a relatively thornless week. No complaints from me, um, to be honest. So I will take that blessing and run. But aside from the lovely rose of having Jessica and her husband over for tea on Sunday, where we had cherry crisp and a beautiful little tea and it sat in our front room and lit many candles. Um, Aside from that, um, we have had a lovely couple of weeks 
to rest up here in Colorado right after having wrapped up shooting a movie earlier this month, which weirdly feels like it was 8 million years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so needless to say, these two weeks of rest were very, very, very needed. And one of my, my husband's favorite ways to recharge is through food. So one morning we went out to breakfast at this adorable little cafe that has just fast become my favorite breakfast spot here. And the real rose were the pancakes here. So when I tell you that these were the best pancakes I have ever had in my entire life, they were absolutely heavenly. And I was trying to figure out what was setting these pancakes apart for me. And my theory is that they add brown sugar. Hmm. So to anyone listening who's been thinking about making pancakes sometime soon, try adding brown sugar. And I promise you, these are going to be the best pancakes of your life. All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. Helps to boost the podcast, get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it and identify with the letter that week. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers a subject of learning how to fight well with your spouse. Dear Wallflower, I've been married for a few years now, and while I would say my husband and I generally have a good relationship, there are definitely times when we fight. I know that fighting is an inescapable part of every relationship, but I often feel like our arguments reach heights that are detrimental to our relationship. We both say really hurtful things in the heat of the moment, and I've found that it's really hard to come back and feel normal again. Along with that, we have really different ways of handling conflict. While I often just try to run away from conflict at the first sign of it as I get emotionally overwhelmed, I feel like he runs full speed into it and gets upset if I need some time. Like I said, we typically have a good, loving relationship, but I'm really struggling to figure out how to fight well. I know that there's no marriage without its fights, but how can I learn to handle conflict with him in a way that heals the marriage instead of harming it? Sincerely, fighting for my marriage. Jessica, what are your thoughts for our writer today? Our dear writer, I am grateful that you are willing to reach out for help in this matter. As much as we may tell ourselves what is, quote, normal in marriage, We never want to be in denial about the potential impact of anything that is straining this important relationship. As much as our writer can affirm that she and her husband have a good, loving relationship, she admits that their arguments can often reach heights that are detrimental to their relationship. I'm so glad that she can recognize and name this concerning reality. Leaving something like this unchecked can have devastating consequences down the road. Any unaddressed tension in marriage will slowly erode at their connection over time and can result in estrangement if not addressed. So, fighting for my marriage, you are taking a courageous and vital step here. Be encouraged that this is meaningful and important work on which you are embarking 
You have wonderful desires to seek to handle conflict in a way that heals your marriage rather than harming it. I want to be clear on an initial point up front. This is going to take both of you. You certainly can do what you you can yourself on your side, and I do encourage you to do that. But true healing is not going to come through how you deal with conflict unless you're both in it together. That being said, however, I would like to encourage you to begin inward with yourself. You have to do your own work, showing your willingness to seek change in yourself before you can expect your husband to be willing to sign on. Hmm. You admit that you both say really hurtful things in the heat of the moment. I want to invite you to sit with that a bit. What kinds of things do you tend to say to your husband? What is hurtful about those things? What do you think causes you to resort to using such language? Are there perhaps desires internal to you that are not being met that you could choose to express differently? Rather than saying things about or at him during an argument, prepare a few phrases that can help you express commonly felt needs in the heat of a fight. Hmm. And keep in mind, make sure that these are I statements, not you statements. (laughs) For example, saying something like, I feel misunderstood right now, or I feel like my point of view has not been fully heard yet. Preparing statements in which you can express the softer emotions you're feeling in a calm way will help you to be able to communicate clearly without adding fuel to the fire. Mm -hmm. After beginning with your own internal work, see if you and your husband can sit down together outside of the context of a fight and talk calmly about how you fight. Express that it seems to you that you each have very different styles of managing conflict. Invite him to show, sorry, to share, invite him to share how he feels in his own body, heart, and mind as he experiences conflict and ask him to share how he perceives you in the midst of conflict as well. Hmm. The goal of a discussion like this is to build common understanding between the two of you as to what the other experiences expects and wants. And key here is to leave your assumptions at the door. Express what you've noticed, but don't draw conclusions. Invite open and honest conversation. Mm, Yeah. Let the other person tell you their story. Don't just assume what their story is. Exactly. I think (laughs) so much harm can come from just making assumptions. And we can, (laughs) honestly, it can feel hard not to make assumptions because I think we Mm -hmm. just automatically, our brain goes there. We think, oh, he must be feeling this way. But again, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't know for sure. It's, it's best to let the other inform us mm-hmm. so we can listen well and um, yeah, empathize. And I also want to highlight that it's vital for you and your husband to recognize and respect one another's different conflict styles. For someone mm-hmm. like your husband, who is a pursuer in conflict, one who naturally retreats as you do, could strike him as unwilling to engage and perhaps even self-righteous or something like that. Even in the initial way you worded this in your letter that you often just try to run away, this can seem at least on the surface, like a bad thing. Mm -hmm. However, if your husband could develop a deeper understanding of why you retreat and initially feel the need for distance, it may be able to help you to offer one another more grace in the midst of a disagreement. 
as we can see in your letter, you reveal why you need distance. You say you tend to run away from conflict at the first sign because you get emotionally overwhelmed. You also use the phrase that you need some time. Hmm. How might you express this need to your husband in a way that would help him to understand how your internal world is swirling when conflict first arises? How might you express to him the good that could result from giving you a few moments alone before further engaging the conflict together? Similarly, flip the script and give your husband space to express his needs with regard to his conflict style. If he runs full speed into the conflict, ask him without judgment, but rather with genuine love and curiosity, ask him what compels him to head into the conflict immediately as he does. Give him space to share his internal world with you. Ask questions. Oh, Oh, sorry. Finish your sentence. (laughs) Fine. I'm just going to say, ask questions, you know, listen to get to the softer emotions behind his conflict style and you know, ask yourself what, what needs, desires, and even fears do you hear in his response? That's a wonderful tip because I think, oddly, I think we, we see fights as like, we see them as, as this kind of like communication that is so um, volatile and detrimental, right? But really fighting is just not communicating, like actually communicating. Because if we just say, look, I really just do need, you know, five minutes to go cool down or look when you walk away it makes me feel like this if we just communicate it actually wards off so many of the things that we don't need to get into the the emotional you know heights that our um that our writer mentions um that the fights always reach right and we have to recognize too that we can think we're communicating when we you know, snap at someone. I just need time. Like, just leave me alone. Like that mm-hmm. does not help. And that, that you may be saying words, but it's not, <laughs> it's not really communicating your feeling, your feeling. Well, I mean, okay. It might come in, communicate that you feel frustrated, that you feel angry, but um, yeah, to be able to, to say what you need without being emotionally charged is, is yeah. vital to, because I, you're sharing a what, I need this, but you're not sharing a why, which is really what brings people closer together is understanding each other's whys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being able to attune to each other too. this idea of being in like kind of emotionally disparate places versus coming and being able to see one another's faces, looking into each other's eyes, hearing Mm -hmm. the tone of voice, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All these things are great facets to bring along. As you talk about your unique ways of handling conflict with your husband, aim to establish together what you desire for conflict management to look like in your marriage. And recognize that with two vastly different styles of dealing with conflict, both of you are going to need to flex and make some adaptations to your initial inclinations in order to support the other and come to a mutually beneficial spot. And to all our listeners, I want to say Failing to be intentional about how you handle conflict as a couple and simply letting it happen will make you victims of unbridled emotions. Mm-hmm. However, on the on the flip side, taking time to intentionally reflect on how you have dealt with conflict together in the past compared with how you'd like to approach it in the future can help you build new pathways and build new habits in your ways of relating to one another. 
you're not going to get it perfectly the first time and probably not even the 40th time. The point (laughs) is to have mutual understanding about what your goal is relationally as a couple and to strive toward that goal together. Um, and taking those strides, there will be growth, even if it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, and finally, I want to address the unique question that fighting for my marriage asks at the close of her letter. She hits on something really powerful here. Dealing with conflict can be healing for their relationship rather than destructive. Mm-hmm. I love that her question is focused on conflict as an opportunity for healing rather than harm. Mm-hmm. When approached properly, handling conflict well together can enable rich growth in mutual understanding of one another of your deepest hurts, fears, and longings. Rather than merely having firefights from which you both need to heal, the actual conflict itself can be grounds for building richer connection and deeper trust. Vital to this, again, in addition to both being on board and working together, is that the goal be the health of the relationship and the value be love for one another over the need to win or the need to be right. Mm -hmm. I think I can fairly say that almost always conflict is about far more than just the thing being argued that surface. You're like, I, my, (laughs) my, my husband always says it's not about the light switch. That's his Mm. like favorite way of saying like, it's not about the thing that you're fighting about or like a couple is fighting about. It's not about the light switch. The surface matter is typically wedded to numerous other things hiding Mm -hmm. under the surface. Yes. And when we can approach conflict as a married couple united toward the same end and aiming to communicate calmly and empathetically, we can seek to unearth those deeper hurts and provide insight and opportunity for healing rather than further distancing between us. And one warning before I pass off the mic here, as you practice an attempt to form new habits of dealing with conflict, avoid accusing the other of not holding up their end of this agreement in the midst of a fight. Mm. This just adds fuel to the fire as well. Um, Remaining calm is one of the best ways to help diffuse that explosive energy. Mm. Also, as I kind of already mentioned, this is going to take practice. Not only will you be practicing every time you run into a new conflict, you will also have the opportunity to talk through and practice habits of speech with one another outside the heat of a conflict. And a particularly good time for this may even be at the close of an argument. Once you've both cooled down enough, you can explore questions like, what might I have said differently that wouldn't have escalated things so quickly or so much? Or Mm -hmm. "Mm, I could have said or asked blank instead of blank. And getting your, you know, your spouse's feedback is going to be really helpful in working through that. Be sure to own your part in the interaction. Don't pounce on what your husband did or didn't do. So uh, our gentle writer, I want to applaud your bravery in seeking out advice in this matter. I can see that you value the health of your marriage and I wish you and your husband success on this journey as you grow and how best to love one another and seek healing through how you handle conflict. Wonderful thoughts. I will start off by saying that I'm glad that our um, writer said that fighting is simply part of being in a relationship. Um, Obviously, as I will get into in a little bit, there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways to approach conflict, but Mm -hmm. I 
want to stress to everyone listening who's either married or in a relationship that just because you've had fights does not mean that you are incompatible or just because you haven't had fights does not mean that everything is perfect. I've witnessed many couples that um, kind of prided themselves on never having disagreements of any sort. And it turned out that that was only because either one or both of them were just totally stuffing their emotions and not coming forward with what they were feeling um, or what was bothering them. And this ended up creating distance between them. And it had ultimately a really detrimental effect on the relationship. So all of this to say, I'm glad that our writer acknowledged um, that disagreements are not just natural, but needed in a relationship that there's, you know, no way that you're going to find someone you're unfailingly on the same page as, or just never annoyed with or hurt by. But what sounds like it's not, there's not so healthy about our writer's fights with her husband is how their fighting styles clash, how emotionally heightened it gets and what seems to be the goal of the disagreements. So I'll get into each of those now. Um, so Jay Shetty is a relationship expert and bestselling author and speaker. And according to him, there are three main styles of fighting. First, there is venting, which looks like needing to continue talking through the conflict until you feel like it's solved and searching for a, a solution and going through facts and details and just keep on going and going until you feel like, okay, now it's settled. Then there's hiding, um, which means that you might get overwhelmed in the face of conflict and search for ways out, or you just need time to breathe and be alone and calm yourself down. And then there's exploding, which looks exactly the way that it sounds. You might feel totally consumed with anger and blow up. And um, maybe you ignore these feelings for a very long time, and now you're just letting them all out at once. So... Of course, only our writer can say exactly which style sounds like hers and her husband's, but it's helpful to be aware of your fighting style and your spouse's fighting style so you can try to combat the negative sides of each style because each style has its you know more positive sides and definitely more negative sides. So if you are a hider who gets overwhelmed and retreats, as our writer mentioned, this can make your significant other feel totally unheard, uncared for, ignored, right? Mm -hmm. So to combat this, you might try telling them, I hear what you're saying about X. I care about what you're feeling right now. I just need 20 minutes to be on my own, but please let's come back to this. I'll set a timer and everything. And this will help then feel like the conflict isn't just being ignored and you're also getting what you need. So you're both getting something of what you need from this. And again, obviously I can't say our writer's exact fighting style, but this was an example based off of what she shared with us. So I would encourage her to do some research into different fighting styles. Um, and now getting onto the emotional heights that she says these fights reach she admits that they both say hurtful things in the heat of the moment, and it feels difficult to get back to normal after that. So I'll back Jessica up saying, why do you feel the need to say the things that you say? Think about what it is that you always 
you know, kind of resort to saying this comment or using this word or whatever it might be. What is it about that unique approach that you always take that approach? And my advice here is much more easily said than done, but to this, I would just say, watch what you say. Words can leave lasting hurts. And once you have said something, you can't take it back. And I know it's not easy to do this in the heat of the moment, but it's also necessary for us to be able to be in conflict without resorting to these ugly fighting tactics like name calling or saying the very first thing that comes to mind without even thinking about how that might affect the person across from us, you know, the person that we love most in the world. So even if your husband says something hurtful, um, I would advise you to try your best to not take the bait and retort with something equally hurtful that you, you know, he, he just put a knife in your stomach and you want him to feel that too. Mm. I would advise you to just try not to return the hurt. And instead, I think it would be helpful and it could take the anger between you down a notch or two to say that really hurt my feelings or um, calmly tell him that what you just said really upset me because this and it made me feel like this. And that will hopefully give him a glimpse into how he's affecting you. And I think you know, when we're faced kind of immediately with what we just said, how that affected the person across from us, um, it can help us to kind of try to take a step back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. I, I need to take a moment right now, you know? Um, yeah, I now, feel like, oh, sorry. Oh, go, go on. I just, I just feel like what's coming to mind when you're saying that is this idea of seeing the person across from you as a person. You know, there's something about using hurtful words or calling names that kind of dehumanizes people. You know, Mm -hmm. it makes it the fight into something that you need to win. It makes the person into a sort of an object that needs to be overcome or squashed or defeated. You know, like Mm. the the person is not your enemy. You know, your, your husband is not your enemy. Um, You're, you're really on the same page. I mean, you may not be on the same page, like about what you're arguing about, but you're on the same team. And Mm -hmm. so what does it look like to, to remind yourself that he's a person and that your words should honor that? Um, and like Kelia said, even if he calls you a name or says something hurtful, that as much as you might want to retaliate, um, and cause him to feel that same hurt, that's just going to make things worse. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, that's a really good point. I think there, there comes a point in a fight <clears throat> when it gets emotionally heated enough that we we genuinely stop seeing the other person as a person. That's a really good point. Um, and now moving on to what seems to be the goal of these disagreements. And the majority of us, if we're totally honest, just want to win the argument that we're in. Um, we want to prove our opponent wrong. Um, to emerge victorious because we are convinced that we are right. (laughs) Um, But this ties in with what I'm sure we've all heard when it comes to learning how to fight well, which is, you know, it's not you versus each other. It's you as a couple versus the problem. And that might be helpful to some, but 
I don't know that that's always all that helpful because a lot of times the problem is something that maybe one or both of you is doing. Mm. It's your behavior a lot of times. So the idea that the problem is totally separated from you doesn't always ring true to me. Good point. Yeah. So what I have found to be more helpful when it comes to the goal of the disagreement, what, what is, how, how can I reframe this so that I am still trying to, to see this as like, okay, it's us and we have to be together and that, you know, come together, that type of thing is um, to choose what you say and what you do with the question in mind of, will this bring us closer together or is this going to create more distance between us? In our writer's world, words, will this heal my marriage or will it harm it? Because I think deep down, I, we do have this innate sense of when we are harming our marriage versus when we are acting in a way that will continue to build it. Mm-hmm. And so I think taking a step back and asking yourself, is what I'm about to say actually going to serve to build into my marriage positively or am I really just wanting to twist a knife a little bit so the goal of our disagreements should never be winning it should be to reestablish a connection and to come close again rather than to create more distance and so I think asking yourself that question of is this healing or harming as our writer phrased it is the best way to do this and and really to just do this before everything that you're saying. Okay. This next thing that I'm thinking of saying, how is this going to land for him? Is this, is this a positive thing for me to say actually, and do some soul searching and be really honest with yourself about it. And lastly, this final bit that I will say falls in line with um, what I said before about us not being separated from the problem, but sometimes being the problem. (laughs) Um, I want to encourage our writer to learn how to apologize and to look what, look for what she possibly did to contribute to the disagreement at hand. And this isn't always relevant. We haven't always done something that we necessarily need to apologize for, but in my own experience, fights like the one that she has described are typically not one-sided. So even if there is a primary aggressor, um, usually both parties contributed to where the fight has progressed to. And so regardless of whether or not the other person is apologizing, take the time to decipher what you might've done to contribute, what you said that was hurtful or the behavior that you exhibited that upset him and offer a genuine apology that acknowledges where you went wrong. I am sorry for... Mm -hmm. X. Mm -hmm. That must have felt X. And apologizing, I don't think, comes naturally to any of us. Um, But I, I think it is necessary for the mending of relationships that we learn how to show genuine remorse and not apologizing just to, okay, I did it, fine, check. Mm-hmm. but really meaning what you say. And, and, you know, I think sometimes in order to offer a genuine apology to somebody, you might need to take some time because I, I don't think you'll immediately necessarily be genuinely sorry. Um, you might need to take three minutes and think about, okay, wh- how did we end up here? 
what did I say? What did I do? Okay, yes, he did that. He said that. But what did I do? I can apologize for that. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. That did create more distance. Um, so I hope that we were able to offer our writer and anyone else listening some insight as to how they might handle their next argument well. And now it is time for the maybe suggest segment of the podcast where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that just made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion? Today I am suggesting some music by a friend of mine, Aaron, who goes by the artist name, Old Friends, New Friends. Mm. Um, he has a couple of lovely songs up on Spotify that I have really been enjoying lately. And I particularly like and recommend his song, Now That You're Older. Um, and Kelia, I think that you would really enjoy his lyrics. Um, they're oh, really, really, they're poetic and the music is chill and acoustic. I think the way that Daniel um, described the music when we were listening to it in the car the other day, he's like, it's sumptuously melancholy. <laughs> I'm just like, that's such a great descriptor. That's a lovely description. Sometimes <laughs> melancholy. So check out old friends, new friends. Amazing. I'm I'm sorry if I got a little bit distracted. A wasp just landed right next to me. And so I had to move myself in the middle of that. But that sounded no absolutely lovely. Sumptuously. What was the second word? Melancholy. Melancholy. I love the word melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who I know knows you do. me knows that I love that. Um, I'm also suggesting music this week. I am suggesting an art song, which is essentially a piece of music for voice and piano written in a classical music style. And it's called Widmung, composed by Schumann. One of my favorite people to listen to perform it is Barbara Bonney, who is a classical soprano with, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful voices you will ever hear. But anyway, this piece is passionate and heartfelt and um, has soaring melodies. And it's in German, which in my opinion, I love that language. I think it's a really, really cute language. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, sounds so angry. (laughs) Well, it's different when it's sung, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a different feel. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's totally true. (laughs) Not at what's being communicated, at what speed. You know, true, true. <laughs> um, so it's I love that you think it's cute. I, it's so cute, but um, anyway. So some of the lyrics are: um, they go, "You are my soul, you are my heart, you raise me lovingly above myself." And um, in German, it's "Du, uh, du meine Seele, du mein Herz." I think Herz, yeah, yeah, Herst, yeah. yeah, which is just. I love it. Um, and to me, this piece just illustrates a, a love for God. And so if you have been looking to get more into classical music, I think this is a lovely piece to go to. Wiedmung by Robert Schumann, sung by Barbara Bonney, or anyone that you like. It depends on what kind of voice you like. I just like Barbara. But anyway, to Good wrap Schumann. This- Yes, got to love him. (laughs) (laughs) To wrap this episode up, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? 
Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com, on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder, and my new Substack at Jessica J. Schroeder at dot substack.com. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you after a short summer break. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.